Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. When Representative Cory Bush got elected to Congress, you could have looked at that as one of two things. You could have said, this is a story of America. This is a story of how a woman didn't like what she was seeing. So she went about becoming part of creating the America she wants to see. Now, that the America she wants to see is a bigoted America is a completely different conversation than whether or not she said, I can be a part of this and I'm going to go do that. She defeated a 10-term incumbent in the Democratic primary. First black woman to serve in the U.S. House of Representatives from Missouri. I'm not a fan, just so we are clear. She was an organizer, if you will, an agitator, during what took place in Ferguson. Right? Uh, Michael Brown, the shooting there. And we know certain things, like, for example, hands up, don't shoot, never, ever, ever, ever happened. It's not real. It's a lie. And she continues to lie. Cori Bush should be a great American story in the same way that Representative Ocasio-Cortez should be a great American story. In the same way Ilhan Omar should be a great American story, and yet all three of them fail miraculously because it is very obvious from their statements, from their own philosophies, they're not interested in what America has to offer. The America that allowed for this moment is the America they despise. I think that's weird. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's an absolute pleasure. I did not think it was weird when Representative Cory Bush went down the same road that so many of these progressives and these these anti-Israel people do, talking about what's happening and the attacks continue, trying to make the connection to Black Lives Matter. St. Louis and I rise today in solidarity with the Palestinian people and in memory of our brother, Bassam Masri, a Ferguson activist who was with us on the front lines of our uprising for justice following the police murder of Michael Brown Jr. Let's stop for a second. First, there's conversations about the person she's talking about and uh, his his uh, political uh, uh, beliefs. Uh, Michael Ferguson was not murdered by cops. Michael Ferguson attacked a cop. Michael Ferguson broke a cop's orbital socket. Michael Ferguson, Michael Brown, I should say, uh, charged a cop. The, the town was Ferguson. Michael Brown is not a, a, a hero. It's just another lie from a radical. But you're standing in solidarity with the Palestinians, are you? Bassam was a St. Louis Palestinian. Bassam also lived in Jerusalem, Palestine. Bassam was one of us. He showed up ready. Jerusalem, Palestine. How much more hate could one have? Jerusalem, Palestine. That got said on the floor of the United States House of Representatives. Representative Cori Bush is a bigot. She should be a great American story, even if I disagree with her politics. But this is bigotry and ignorance on full radical display. 
She's letting you know who she is. She's letting you know what she's all about. Jerusalem, Palestine. Do you know how ignorant you have to be to say Jerusalem, Palestine? You know, producer Ari will tell you. The two words I try to avoid on this show, I I try (laughs) my ever-loving best, are um, dumb and stupid. Right? Because dumb and stupid end conversations. You call someone dumb, you call someone stupid, they're, they're not talking to you, it's over. Right? And, and, and it's, like, it's like lowest common denominator, low-hanging fruit kind of stuff. And you say, oh, that's just so dumb. Can you, do, do you not have any more vocabulary that can help you express a thought on the subject at hand? Come on, give it a shot. Try. Right? I feel my job is to try. I, I should at least try to do it better. With Representative uh, Cory Bush, it's it's not it's it's not just dumb and stupid. It's ignorant and hateful and purposeful. It's bigoted. If if you're in St. Louis and you're Jewish and you hear Jerusalem Palestine, you should be concerned. By the way, if you're Jewish and you live anywhere, you should be concerned. By the way, if you're not Jewish and you hear someone say who's a member of Congress, Jerusalem, Palestine, you should be concerned. Ignorance combined with power is dangerous. I don't think they should be giving Cory Bush any more power. You say to me, Tony, is that what is is that really the way you're opening? Oh no. Oh, no, it's not like I wouldn't have a part two story. Oh, my gosh. Of course I do. There's a story out of the Washington Free Beacon. Meet Representative Cori Bush and her fellow faith healers. Now, now Cori Bush, uh, her training was as a, as a nurse. Her fellow faith healers, oh, I'm not sure what, what that is. Missouri Democrats supposedly cured of COVID through faith healing by phone. As you all know, producer Ari often calls his psychic during the show just to see what's going to happen next. I just like to be prepared. Faith healer by phone curing her of COVID. This can't actually be a thing. According to the story, she worked as a faith healer for a religious group uh, that claimed to have resurrected the dead and cured people suffering from AIDS, cancer, paralysis, and other serious maladies, including her own, and this is how it's written, severe case of coronavirus last year. That's, That's not serious, is it? According to Charles Nadiffin, the head pastor at the Faith Healing Church, their Kingdom Embassy International, Corey, she had COVID, she called me from the hospital, and 30 minutes later, she was breathing, healed. It was that simple. I'm saying I don't believe you. Now, I believe that prayer works. 
The studies have shown it kind of in an interesting way, at least, you know, as, as people share them. Full disclosure, I don't think I've ever read enough of any of these studies, of any of these studies, to be able to say, okay, here's the issue. But it doesn't hurt. Prayer doesn't hurt. Right? Go to it. Knock yourself out. But if Corey Bush or any of her uh, uh, cohorts are pushing the idea that you can be healed of COVID because of prayer, how is that not considered news that would be banned by Twitter and Facebook? We ban Trump for fake news and pushing out false information about COVID? UV lights can do more for COVID than what she's discussing or what's being discussed here. I'm sorry, I am going to mock this. I am going to ask out loud, how can we push this? What do they say about the COVID information? Like when you put up the doctors who are like, oh, no, no, it's not that bad. What do they call that? Not fake news, false information. They got another name for it. I can't remember what it is. How is this not it? How is this not it? If you're telling me, if Corey Bush is actually going to say, oh, yes, I was healed. I had COVID, but I was healed by a pastor over the phone. Is there any reason to think that she's more uh, out of her head than Marjorie Taylor Greene? Remember, Marjorie Taylor Greene is nuts, right? Jewish space lasers. And by the way, Jewish space lasers is nuts. And, and and don't think I've got it wrong. If you tell me space lasers, right, sending back energy and the Rothschilds are involved, you mean Jewish space lasers. And I don't know what Marjorie Taylor Greene was thinking. But there's no way, there's no way if Cori Bush believes that um, she had somebody on the phone cure her of COVID, that she should have any committees whatsoever. No, I demand that we have some kind of practical application of rationality. You see, I think calling it uh, Jerusalem-Palestine is enough to have your committees removed. You got healed because some guy talked to you on the phone? Some guy talked to you on the phone? And you got healed. Not buying it. And there's a reason for you to be removed from Congress. Now, this anti-Semitism that you're seeing all throughout the Democratic Party, well, that's a whole other subject. And so we're clear. Corey Bush, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Ocasio-Cortez, Andre Carson of Indianapolis. It's all anti-Semitism. It's all bigotry. It's all bigotry. From beginning to end, it is a radical shift in thinking. You know, one of the questions, one of the conversations uh, being asked uh, about Israel is, is what has happened with the way people view the, the, the country, right? It was actually summed up pretty well by Paul Begala. Paul Begala is a, is a Clinton guy. Served in that administration. He's on CNN, and he says it right. 
I think it's real, and I think it's deeply problematic as an American first, not just a, a, a Democrat. I'm a very strong supporter of Israel myself. Of course, I served a president, Bill Clinton, who's a very strong supporter of Israel and who advanced the peace process. I think that's the way to do it. But you're right. There are young, there's, a, there's a generational divide in the Democratic Party. Younger Democrats who I think have really never known Israel except in the persona of Benjamin Netanyahu. And Netanyahu took a huge gamble and, and insulted Barack Obama, insulted Joe Biden, and really cozied up to Trump. And older guys like me remember, and, and maybe know more of the history of what a stalwart, terrific ally Israel is for America. No cozying up to Trump. You mean a guy who actually believed that Israel should exist? A guy who moved the embassy to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the capital of Israel? Not Palestine, Representative Bush Dopey, dopey. But you know you're lying because it's just hate. You're just spewing hate right there. That's that's all you're doing. Insulted Barack Obama. Well, can we discuss Barack Obama and 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 the meetings that Net, with Netanyahu? He couldn't go through the front door. How about telling the Dalai Lama to head out where the trash is? None of that is real. It's that you've had a decade plus of boycott, divestment, and sanction, and these, well, communists, if you will, discussing Israel's the problem, Israel's the enemy, Israel dehumanizes, Israel apartheid state, Israel oppressor. None of it is true. None of them talk about Hamas. They don't talk about the terrorist organization. So you know where this came from? This came from an education system that we on the political right said, okay, we, we won't pay attention. We'll assume they're doing it right. They don't do it right. And we're amazed that our kids turn out this way. Turn out like Cori Bush. To argue that there are problems in America is different than to believe that Jerusalem is the capital of Palestine, which is hatred. Oh, and then to believe that some guy over the phone cured your COVID. Why don't we just get on a big Zoom call with this guy? We don't even need a vaccine. She's just keeping it all for herself. Not only is she a bigot, man, she wants to see you dead. Corey Bush, everybody. Let's vote for somebody else. I'm Tony Katz. So how much of a role did the American Federation of Teachers have in CDC guidance on masks? Because remember, everybody was was opposed to taking off the mask. Oh, you got to wear the mask outside. Oh, you got to wear the mask while you're, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your kids are playing soccer, while 10-year-olds are playing soccer. You got to wear the mask. Oh, we can't go back to schools until all the children are vaccinated, said Randy Weingarten, the head of that union. And then all of a sudden, no, 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 they can go back to school. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, you can take the mask off outside. Because the studies got exposed that they were all nonsense about exposure outdoors. They said 10% spread of COVID. No, 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 it's less than 1%. Less than a tenth of 1%. That's what they found. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. Go to TonyKatz.com. Get the podcast, support the show. TonyKatz.com. It was a quick change. And Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, has been asked about it. And, and, you know, the science is moving and we're moving with the science. But that's not the question I asked. Did Randy Weingarten, 
have a say in what the CDC did, and she's being interviewed on C-SPAN on this subject. So you call it normal, though, I guess the, in the write-up of the post saying those two suggestions that you offered, at least your organization offered, make it nearly verbatim in the final draft. Do you call that normal as far as the ability to do that? Look, um, Pedro, we they asked us for language, and we gave them language when they asked us for it. But if you look at the public record, I was saying these things publicly, these kinds of things. So there's nothing nefarious about doing these kind, this kind of work. And frankly, you know, we have said to the CDC, everyone should have parents should be um, they should be communicating with parents. They should be communicating with educators. They have to communicate with those who actually are impacted by their policies. So, yeah, they decided. I think people should be alarmed by such a thing, concerned by such a thing. That you can have this kind of power in a teacher's union. Remember, the teacher's union needs to be cracked into. I mean, if we're going to be honest about this. If we're going to be honest about this, the teachers' union has to be broken in two. People like Randy Weingarten should not have the say in whether or not your kids go back to school. What deal did she get in order to make this happen? And what happens if, it, if the deal she had gotten had gone against the wishes of parents? Your kids still don't go back? What happens... When they decide, you know what, your kids go back, but they still have to wear masks. Can you imagine another school year with masks? I've already told my kids, no, you're not wearing a mask. I don't care what the school says. I am up for the fight. Absolutely up for the fight. But what happens when it goes that way? Because she has enough power to be able to write out how the CDC is going to do things? What happened to the science? This is one of the many, many reasons. One of the many reasons people take a look at what's happening and say, who really is in charge? What science is really being followed here? And is this all political? Because the answer seems to be, this is all outrageously political. And the last thing we should want in the world. But we did it, right? How many times have we discussed it? We made COVID political on every level, including how our kids get educated. Son of a gun. Son of a gun. It's a 9-0 for gun rights. Not bad, people. But that's not the big thing coming out of SCOTUS. This is Tony Katz today. Nine nothing. Nine to zero in favor of gun rights. Not a bad day, people. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. This was a case out of Rhode Island. And if you missed my conversation 
uh, with, with Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. I'll have it up at TonyCats.com so you can hear it uh, for yourself. This 9-0 decision is based on an abuse of the Fourth Amendment, an abuse of uh, search and seizure. So here's the, here's the, the, the details. This comes out of Rhode Island where you've got this guy. We're going to call him Edward because that happens to be his name. Edward is having a fight with his wife. And Edward does something I believe is stupid. Yes, I'm using the word stupid. I know what I just said. I'm using the word stupid. He's having an argument with his wife. The argument gets ridiculous. He goes, gets a handgun from the bedroom, puts it on the dining room table, and says, just shoot me already. I'm here to tell you, if you're doing that in an argument with your wife, you are wrong. Just wrong. That's, that's, that's all about the drama. That's not about, you know, actually handling thing. Anything, right? That, that, to me, that's, a, that's ridiculous. She left the home. She spent the night in the hotel. Next morning, she calls the house. She doesn't get an answer. So she calls the police department there in Rhode Island, Cranston, Rhode Island, and says, uh, do a welfare check on my husband. They get there. He confirms the argument, but denies he's suicidal. The cops decide he poses a risk to himself and others. They call an ambulance. He's like, all right, I'll go to the hospital and get a a psychiatric evaluation. But the cops supposedly promise him they're not going to confiscate his firearms. But when the ambulance takes the guy away, they take the firearms. They took two handguns. So the doctors take a look at this guy, and they're like, yeah, you're not a harm to yourself. You're not a harm to others. He goes home. He's like, the guns are gone. He's like, hey, give me back my guns. And the police are like, nah, we're not giving you back the guns. What do you mean you're not giving me back the guns? Hasn't been convicted of a crime. Wasn't convicted of a crime. Had not been adjudicated as mentally defective or mentally unfit. They won't give back the guns. The police violated his Second Amendment rights and violated his Fourth Amendment rights. And the court responded, nine, nothing. Wait, how did it make it all the way to the Supreme Court? Like, that sounds pretty cut and dry. The district court sided with the police. The First Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the police. On what grounds? On the grounds of something called Katie. Katie, C-A-D-Y, Katie versus Dombrowski. Katie versus Dombrowski uh, is about the idea of an exception to the Fourth Amendment, something referred to as community caretaking exception. The idea that it may become necessary for the security of others to remove a firearm, to take uh, away someone's property, uh, to take away someone's right. Katie held that a, a warrantless search of an impounded vehicle for an unsecured firearm did not violate the Fourth Amendment. 
The court noted that the officers who patrol the public highways are often called to discharge non-criminal community caretaking functions, such as responding to disabled vehicles or investigating accidents. But searches of vehicles and homes are, comp- are constitutionally different, and this is what Katie kind of goes forth and, and says. So there was this idea that, hey, we were investigating this, we found that, so therefore we're able to do something with it. So utilizing this in a very, what I think is rightfully argued in a questionable way, the district court and the First Circuit Court of Appeals said, nope, nope, they can, they can do that. Because they were responding to something else, and then they decided, well, let's just make sure. This is a huge, huge victory because what it states is no, government or government's proxy cannot simply because they feel take your rights. That's huge. That's massive. I cannot describe how incredibly important that is. Absolutely overjoyed by this decision. But it gets more interesting, right? I dug into this with Cam, but I want to share it with you my way. Again, go to TonyCats.com and get that interview with, with Cam Edwards. Samuel Alito, right? So you, so you had Clarence Thomas writing the, the, the majority opinion, but a bunch of other justices wrote their own thoughts. Samuel Alito says something different. What Alito says is, and I'm quoting here, this case also implicates another body of law that the petitioner glossed over, the so-called red flag laws that some states are now enacting. So a red flag law is, you know, somebody is is an issue, you know, they're mentally ill, you know, they're having a problem. You can then utilize the law to have them adjudicated mentally unfit and take away their firearms. My problem with red flag laws, because at first I was like, well, I want people to have a way to help those who can't help themselves. They get abused in states all across the country. So now I have to oppose red flag laws because people are abusive in wanting to take away people's rights. Alito writes, quote, these laws enable the police to seize guns pursuant to a court order to prevent their use for suicide or the infliction of harm on innocent persons. They typically specify the standard that must be met and the procedures that must be followed before firearms may be seized. Provisions of red flag laws may be challenged under the Fourth Amendment, and those cases may come before us. Our decision today does not address those issues. So in in the piece over at BearingArms.com, what Cam Edwards is asking, Cam Edwards is is a an expert on on, on the Second Amendment, right? He's refer he's referencing specific standards that have to be uh, uh, addressed before up, uh, 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 upholding a red flag law that comes before the court. And then he's also saying the standards themselves are going to be called uh, into question. So if that happens, does a hearing in which the gun owner isn't even entitled to be present really uphold their right to be secure in their persons and property? It's a fascinating look at how things may come before the court. And what I take from Alito is what he is saying is, let's go down this road. Because as we go down this road, we are going to absolutely blow up any argument that government has the right to restrict the people in keeping and bearing arms. 
The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. To me, he's going down this road, saying that if you want to see a challenge, what we said today does not mean that there is nothing else regarding red flag laws or other laws. I think it's a goading. I think he's saying, bring it on. Bring it to us. Show me. Let's do this. For years, the court hasn't taken Second Amendment cases. And the way that some of this is engaged, you almost, you, I, I do. I absolutely get the feeling that they're saying, you know what? We've taken the temperature in the room. You want to fight for Second Amendment rights? Now is your time. But that's actually not the big story. The big story is abortion. The Supreme Court is going to hear an abortions right case, rights case, I should say. And this is very possible to lead to the reconsideration of Roe v. Wade. SCOTUS blog putting out on Twitter, the Supreme Court agrees to take up a major abortion case that will give the court an opportunity to reconsider Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. This is about a Mississippi law. It's a ban on abortions, most abortions, after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Now, the key here, the thing to remember here, is that when you're talking about Roe versus Wade, you are not talking about the right to an abortion. That's not what Roe versus Wade does. What Roe versus Wade did was take away from the states the right to decide for themselves. It usurped the authority of the states and said on a federal level, there is a right to abortion. If Roe versus Wade was overturned, abortion would not become illegal in America. That is absolutely positively not what happens. What happens is it now becomes for the states to make the call. And some states are going to absolutely ban abortion. And some states are going to create serious limits on abortion. And Massachusetts and Minnesota and Illinois and California are going to say free abortions. That's what's going to happen. So anytime they talk Roe v. Wade, oh, you're going you're gonna to end abortion rights in America. First of all, the idea that it's a right. You're ta- abortion is still killing something no matter what anybody thinks. And secondly, no, it does not. Ending Roe v. Wade is the right move for the Constitution because the court usurped the rights of the states. And I oppose that in the same way I oppose the Obergefell decision on same-sex marriage. It was winning in the states. I don't even know why the court acted. It didn't have to. It was winning in the states. That's the way to do it, baby. Obergefell created the right to same-sex marriage out of whole cloth. That's something they don't have the right to do. And of course, it should be overturned on that, that that's not the role of the courts. This is going to be the story. It's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. That's the case. We'll be keeping an eye on it for sure. I'm Tony Katz. Holy cow. Kevin, is it Pilar or PR? 
who got hit in the face with the baseball? Yeah, from the uh, from the from the Mets. Pilar hit in the face, like right between the eyes, right above the nose, with a ninety-four mile per hour fastball. Holy cow! Now, by the way, maybe that wasn't a fastball. That thing just got away from from the pitcher and just it just went up and in, into in the right, knocked him. It didn't knock him out. That's what's unbelievable. He went down and he went to his knees and he's just kicking his toe on the ground. He's like, oh my god, this hurts. Oh my god, this hurts. That was crazy. Jacob Webb uh, is 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 the pitcher. Pilar got up and walked back to the dugout under his own power. I, I, unbelievable. Multiple nasal fractures. Uh, he's actually uh, uh, tweeted out, thanks to everyone that has reached out. Scary moment, but I'm doing fine. I mean, that's crazy. You're so yeah. jacked up in the moment on adrenaline. Like, like this morning is probably in agony, but in the moment, it's, you know, I think it's fine. The look on the pitcher's face. The look on the pitcher's face in just the and, and a couple of the Braves players, right? Because it's Atlanta who the Mets are playing. Level of mortified, right? There are times where the pitcher is all right. The pitcher's going to hit the the, the the batter, right? There, it's it's retribution for something. There's something else going on. There there's some kind of of thing there. Nobody's looking to do this. And man, that pitcher was heading right. Right to the middle of the plate, that pitch, and just like halfway to home plate, it's like it caught air or whatever the spin was, and up up and to the right, not back and to the left. This wasn't JFK. Up and to the right. Son of a gun. And it's just, it's happening so fast. So fast. There's just no, there's no response. No matter what you say about any sport, there is nothing more difficult than hitting a baseball. Single most difficult thing to do in sports is to hit a baseball. Crazy how that went down. Uh, Let me get to the other uh, crazy. The Onion. The Onion. So the Onion is the uh, the, the the satirical site uh, that's supposed to be comedic, and they really got beat up by Babylon B as I see it. But they've been around for years, and they sometimes do some very funny work, right? The Onion put out a a, a, a story, right? And remember, their stories are, are satire. That's what they do. But they put out a story uh, referencing you know what's going on in Israel and the attacks by Hamas. Except they don't see it like that. What's their headline? I swear to you, I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. Could not make it up if I wanted to. IDF soldier, meaning Israeli Defense Forces. IDF soldier recounts harrowing, harrowing, heroic war story of killing eight-month-old child. Holy cow. Is, is, is that the way they see it? Is that the way Israeli soldiers see it? You, you think there's the mocking of, of when children are killed? In, in all the ways...
My gosh. That is that is obscene. But people are really getting good at being obscene, right? They're getting good at at where their hate lies. Look, if it's comedy, I can deal with comedy. I'm down with comedy. Let's go with the comedy. This isn't comedy. This is crazed. This is crazed and ugly and and beyond radical and beyond insulting, which is, of course, the plan. It's absolutely the plan. And people are like, dude, the onion nails it. The onion nailed it? Today, they've got a new one. The Onion calls on Israel to bomb our offices in case any Hamas agents are hiding out there. This because in Israel, they took out a a Gaza building, right? They took out this, this building, and the AP has offices there. And now people are complaining, oh, sure, you attacked a building that has journalists in it. Why are you in a building with Hamas? So people are complaining. In Gaza, there's a building. Hamas works out of there. The AP works out of the same building. That's peculiar. Man, to hear Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas on this, that's the best. Remind me to share that with you tomorrow. Senator Tom Cotton on on the people upset with Israel for taking out a building. Maybe the AP has a lot to answer for. Go to TonyCats.com. Get everything and the podcast tomorrow, everyone.